Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. I'm Jawad as always. Thank you for joining me for another mid-season special. The Market Watch, silly season. It's on. We're ready. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, so just wanted to take a more expanded, in-depth look at the driver market for 2020 and seeing who's going to be where, what the rumours are and everything and who's already confirmed in their teams, in their places for the 2020 Formula 1 season. So I was just going to go one by one through each team and see who's already locked in, who isn't, who's the potential candidates that can step in and it might get a little bit silly as it always does with me. with some uh, left field choices but um, let's try and see uh, how it's looking so far so starting from the top of the field and Mercedes we've already talked about their form this year Lewis Hamilton on track for a sixth title he's already got a contract in place until the end of next year like most of the top drivers do actually they're all contracted to the end of 2020 because of the big regulation change in 2021 and they just want that year to be able to see how the 2021 regs are going to look and if they want to hang around or not so Hamilton definitely locked in at Mercedes but Valtteri Bottas that's where the real bone of contention is whether he'll stay or whether Mercedes will replace him I've already said it multiple times this year I reckon for the sake of continued for continuity and also because of Bottas's performances this year which have been a lot better than last that it is warrant that he does stay on hand and I mentioned if you listen to the previous podcast the mid-season review where I say well actually if um, you know if you want Hamilton to have a harmonious environment to go on and equal that seventh world titles um, next year if he does make it to that um, point in the championship then you know you would have to have a rear gunner like Bottas to support him and not bring in somebody else who's going to potentially destabilize that but if that's the case and Mercedes don't think that Bottas's performances are up to scratch and look to bring someone else into the team well it's got to be Esteban Ocon there's no one else that um really is in the frame to to be brought into for us to Mercedes sorry so Ocon spending the year on the sidelines this year he's the reserve and sim driver for Mercedes he's learned a lot about the team but you know you can't really see Ocon spending another year on the sidelines next year or you know he'll have to break off his ties with Mercedes and go elsewhere so at this stage, it's really hard to say because they haven't, they've been sending mixed signals of Mercedes, you know, they're talking already about a soft landing for Bottas if he doesn't stay at Mercedes next year, so maybe they are looking at shaking up uh, that side of the garage, but at the same time, it wouldn't be a surprise if they do announce Bottas to stay, and personally, I would say that keeping Bottas is the, the better option, you know, we've sort of learnt over the last couple of years that he isn't exactly world championship material despite early promise when he was at Williams and I was getting all excited that he might be a world champion eventually but he's a solid operator he can win you races he can win you constructors championships as well which is the big thing with last year he didn't win a race but he did still score a lot of points to be able to secure Mercedes a constructors championship 
and that's going to be the case again this year. With Ocon, there's a lot of merit to Ocon. He's going to be a driver that's going to be a force in the championship, you'd think, in the next couple of years, especially when you've got Verstappen at Red Bull, you've got Leclerc at Ferrari as well. Ocon is that Mercedes junior driver that's going to really uh, light up Formula One with those other two guys as well. So, yeah, if you want to bring Ocon in next year, that's great. It may risk Lewis Hamilton and the harmony within the team, but at the same time, it's uh, one eye on the future for Mercedes. So securing it'll, you know, it's a way of securing their future in Formula One too, which a lot has been said about whether they might pull out of the sport after the 2021 regulations or after the end of 2020 and everything. If they're not satisfied with the 2021 regulations, then they might withdraw. So. If they were to get Ocon in the car next year, it might be a sign that, yeah, they are looking at um, hanging around for another year or another stint in F1 and also um, have the potential for Ocon to win a championship. Some other left field names, I guess. Fernando Alonso was talked about, of course, quite a bit, given that he doesn't really have much going for him next year, but he himself is ruled out, you know, committing himself to a championship next year. He's not doing World Endurance Championship He's not doing a full season of IndyCar. At this stage, he's only committed himself to doing Dakar, which is going to be one of the biggest challenges in his career. We know that McLaren are going into IndyCar full-time in partnership with Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport, which was announced a couple of weeks ago. Really exciting, that news, and Alonso will not be uh, contesting IndyCar full-time, even though winning the Indy 500 is still one of his goals. And Sebastian Vettel is always a, a... contended you know can the German world champion go to the German world championship winning team which is uh, Mercedes but a partnership between Hamilton and Vettel seems very unlikely so we can nip that one in the bud straight away so if I'm going to put if I'm going to be talking about my dream lineups as we go or the most likely lineups I'd say Hamilton and Bottas will stay put next year Ferrari, Leclerc at this stage, you'd you'd have to see him staying put. You'd probably say Ferrari themselves, they're probably going to be unchanged going into 2020, despite Sebastian Vettel's retirement rumours lingering. If Vettel were to retire, that would trigger a lot of movement in the silly season, up and down the grid. You've got names like Ricardo who could potentially go over to Red Bull, uh, sorry, to Ferrari that could free up a spot at Renault. You look at guys, you'd probably want to look at guys like Kevin Magnussen, Sergio Perez, some, you know, very established hands that could potentially go there maybe Alonso even you can tie Alonso into any team probably except for McLaren at this stage only because their driver lineup is confirmed for next year anyway but yeah you could probably throw Alonso into there but it seems likely that Vettel will see out the end of his contract which is to the end of 2020 once again like Hamilton and um, Verstappen so yeah Ferrari um, dream scenario, or not really, well, likely scenario is that um, we'll see a status quo and Leclerc and Vettel will stay put together. Red Bull, Verstappen is a lock, definitely, and there's going to be a lot of talk about Verstappen and his future coming up um, over the next 12 months as well, given that he is still contracted to Red Bull to the end of next year, but beyond there, 
does he stay there? Do Mercedes potentially um, open up the checkbook and try to poach him, you know, um, in as a likely teammate to Lewis Hamilton? Like, if, if Ocon is, you know, this is... If Ocon was not at Mercedes, for example, you know, you could totally see Bottas staying put for another year at Mercedes just to... So Mercedes can go after Verstappen for 2021 and have Hamilton and Verstappen as your dream team in 2021 with the new regulations. But Red Bull, they're going to have to deliver a title-winning package for Verstappen in 2020. Um, that'll determine his future. But for 2020 itself, Verstappen is in there. Gasly out, as I've already said. Um, and Albon on trial. So if Albon has a good year, a good end to this year in the Red Bull car, you'd imagine that they hang on to him for next year, but other contenders are Danny Fiat, he could step back into the Red Bull seat. Nico Hulkenberg has been talked about potentially luring an external candidate. There's been a lot of talk about how Red Bull hasn't really got the stocks at the moment to be promoting from within and also the the failed um, promotion for Gasly as well that, you know, it didn't really live up to expectation given that it was a year, maybe a year too early for him to step into Red Bull. So, you know, Getting someone like Hulkenberg in, who's a reliable operator, who yet hasn't achieved the success he would have wanted to in Formula One. Um, he's got that record now of most races without a podium. So potentially, yeah, if Renault and Hulk do not want to continue their partnership, then we might see Hulkenberg acquired by Red Bull if um, they're not going to hang on to Albon. But that also means that Gasly at Toro Rosso doesn't hang around or Albon um, doesn't hang around at Red Bull and where does Albon go does he go back to Toro Rosso does Kvyat stay at Toro Rosso it's a whole you know one of those drivers would have to lose out if Red Bull were to get an external driver to come in and I was listening to what Autosport was saying as well the other day and talk about potential of Sebastian Vettel even coming back to the Red Bull uh, roost you know that would be quite something as well but I don't see that happening at this stage anyway. And Vettel himself has said all along, you know, when he went to Ferrari, he'd probably see out the rest of his career at Ferrari. So, yeah, that doesn't look likely. But as far as, you know, the ideal lineup is concerned, I think if Albon has a good um, nine races ahead of him, at the moment that's coming up then we'll see him in the Red Bull next to Verstappen next year otherwise you could see Danny Kvyat being promoted again to Red Bull and then Albon and Gasly is your Torosso lineup which I'll talk about a bit later anyway McLaren, Sainz and Norris already confirmed we don't need to mull over those guys any longer and you know what you might as well confirm them for the next two years even you know give them two year deals basically so that'll uh, secure them obviously not for next year but for 2021 as well uh, because it'll be important for when the regulation change comes McLaren where do they sit after the regulation change you know they seem like a team that with what they're doing at the moment the changes in their structures the management and everything they seem like a team that could really benefit from a mass regulation change you know if they play all their cards right and to have a young partnership like Science and Norris you could have two potential race-winning, world championship-winning stars in the wings already at McLaren, who could potentially take McLaren back to glory as well. So keep an eye on those two. And they've had solid performances all year so far, as I've said in the mid-season special. 
Alfa Romeo, Kimi Raikkonen locked in for next year, of course. He'll be 40 by the end of this year, so, you know, he's going to continue going. Also, was uh, thinking about potentially because of how good his performances have been this year, if he keeps that up into next year, what's stopping him from going around for into 2021 with Alfa Romeo again? You know, that's another team that could potentially benefit from the regulation change as well, be in a stronger position than they are. And Kimi is definitely, with his experience and guidance, is really... <coughs> putting the team on a good path this year, which is good to see as well. Um, as far as Antonio Giovinazzi is concerned, I've already mentioned that he isn't really setting the world on fire, but because of he's a Ferrari junior driver and that seat at Alpha is usually for a Ferrari junior driver, that um, there isn't really anyone waiting in the wings at this stage. So you could see him afforded another season uh, to see how he goes but otherwise I would say it's 2021 where we'll probably see someone like a Mick Schumacher step into that seat depending on how he goes in Formula 2 next year as well so lineup for Alpha it's going to be an unchanged one I reckon Kimi and Giovinazzi they're you know it's an odd couple but they're doing quite well similar to uh, Kimi and Grosjean back in the Lotus days as well so Toro Rosso kind of depends on what's happening at Red Bull as well. So you've got to say at the moment in your Toro Rosso pool, you have Danny Kvyat, you've got Pierre Gasly and Alexander Albon. So if Albon has a good second half of the season for Red Bull, then he'll stay put there. You could e easily keep Kvyat and Gasly together for next year. We don't have Dan Tictum anymore in the Red Bull system, so you can put a line through his name. But you've got Patrizio O'Ward who got put onto Red Bull's books this year, the IndyCar star, who is now in the Japanese Super Formula this year. So if he earns enough points on his Super Formula, um, his um, Super License and whatnot, he could potentially be in the frame for an F1 debut. Maybe if Red Bull want to, you know, pull the trigger and get him in, yeah, it could happen next year. We could see Gasly out altogether or Kvyat once again dumped for whatever reason. But, you know... Red Bull are the kind of people who don't really beat around the bush and, you know, when you think something's going to be likely, such as Gasly being able to see out the rest of the season at the at the senior team, they always like to surprise you. So I would say it would be no surprise if O'Ward does get into Toro Rosso next year, but at the same time, if Albon does well at um, Red Bull, he'll partner Verstappen and then we'll have Kvyat and Gasly together at Toro Rosso for next year, so potential for a shift there but otherwise I could probably see that the status quo will remain Renault yeah you could see both drivers hanging around there Ricardo seemingly will stay he got a big money deal there he made the big leap to go over from Red Bull to Renault so you would have to see some kind of fruit come forward and really after one year you can't really judge that the deal was a, a bad one Renault have got to really make you know, pay dividends next year and also in the second half of this season to justify that decision for Ricardo. But there's been a lot of uncertainty about Nico Hulkenberg. Um, he has kind of been shown up a little bit by Ricardo this year, even though they're both of their performances haven't been that great because of the car. But if Hulkenberg were to leave, 
you know, you've got that potential for Hulkenberg to go off to, to Renault, sorry, to Red Bull, even Haas as a candidate, and then that seat that opens up at Renault could either go to Ocon because of the ties that he's had there previously, or Valtteri Bottas, if Bottas is dumped by Mercedes and Ocon goes to Mercedes, and Bottas, who says he's got some options in his... Uh, available to him if he doesn't end up at Mercedes next year. You would think that Renault, who's another manufacturer team on the rise, would be perfect for Bottas. I can't really see Bottas just slipping into like a midfield team and just sort of seeing out the rest of his career there. You'd try and he'd try and get with a team and a team would want him obviously because he's been with Mercedes, but also, you know, to have that knowledge try and get that insider knowledge that um, he's had at Mercedes and Renault would be the perfect um, team that would want that sort of insider knowledge of the world beaters that are Mercedes to try and get them um, get them going so Ricardo and Bottas would be a pretty good lineup you know Ricardo your hard racer Bottas the cool and calculated one you know you can totally see them playing to each other's strengths so if Hulkenberg were to leave Ocon were to take Bottas's place at Mercedes you would see Bottas uh, come to Renault and Hulkenberg you know you could see him go over to Haas because Kevin Magnussen is going to stay at Haas most likely it's it's a given but Grosjean is the one who's under threat again and I think after this there won't be a place for Grosjean on the grid unfortunately this could be the Frenchman's swan song in Formula One so if he were to leave, then you could see Nico Hulkenberg coming into the team there. And Hulkenberg with Magnussen, of course, they don't get along after we had that incident a couple of years ago, uh, the Suck My Plums incident. Um, you wouldn't see, but they would be, they'd be two solid operators together. So, you know, they would probably do a lot better than, Gro well, Hulkenberg would do a lot better than Grosjean is at the moment. So that's there but otherwise you could totally see Ricardo staying put well Ricardo will stay put but you could see Hulkenberg staying put there with Ricardo for another season and then it's 2021 where Renault tries to chase someone big or if Bottas is available that they could go after someone like a Valtteri Bottas racing point uh, Lance Stroll pretty much he's got a contract for life there <laughs> given that his father now owns the team and Sergio Perez looks likely to stay uh, with his funding that he brings to the team as well and he's been quite valuable to that team for quite a long time but it was interesting reading that Perez kind of th has threatened to leave you know Formula One if the uh, situation doesn't improve as far as Racing Point with the regulation changes aren't in a position to challenge for podiums now that's not any shortcomings of the teams it's more so a shortcoming of the category itself that you know small teams like racing point that operate on limited budgets in the midfield can't mix it with the big wigs um, out at the front so you know Perez you got to say he's he's done a great job in F1 apart from that one year at McLaren which was a blip um, he is kind of you know you could see him around for a couple of years and whether he sees out his career with racing point now um, he's been a great servant to that team he stuck through them through the difficult times as well. So he and Stroll, they've done a good job this year, even though the results aren't really on the board, but I already discussed it in the mid-season special that it's basically as a, a legacy of, you know, the financial struggles that they had last year. So see 
expect those two to stay together for another year at least. And if um, 2021 regs are no good, then Perez will be on his way. Stroll, contract for life. So Haas, yeah, you can say Hulkenberg's a candidate to partner Magnussen. Though, what's the likelihood of Grosjean staying? Like, I really don't know. I really don't know, <laughs> but what what this what this kind of playing it out all in my head is if Grosjean were to leave, if Bottas were to lose his seat at Mercedes and Ocon go fits in next to Hamilton, you could get Bottas to go over to Renault, Hulkenberg over to Haas, and then you know Grosjean leaves F1, and then you wouldn't have your Red Bull guys affected because you know. Verstappen, Albon stay at Red Bull. Then you've got your Toro Rosso lineup. So Gasly isn't kicked out of F1 prematurely, or Kvyat either. Instead, Howard Grosjean, who's probably you know just not in form at the moment and is sort of at the towards the end of his career. You could say, yeah, that that's more justifiable. Like it wouldn't be such a bad thing. And Grosjean has achieved quite a bit. You could say. Even though he hasn't won a race, he's been on the podium several times. Then you look back at that difficult time with Lotus during the start of the hybrid era. And then 2015, he was able to take the car to the podium in Spa. That was quite good. So, you know, there's still a lot that Grosjean can be proud of in his career so far. So, yeah, if Grosjean were to leave, then Magnussen with Hulkenberg seems the likely lineup at Haas that I'd like to see. Williams, um, George Russell, a lock, you would say, and you would, if you were Williams, you'd try to hold on to Russell as long as you can. Um, if they improve next year, which you'd expect them to, then you know you can totally see uh, Russell coming to the forefront and you know becoming one of the the star driver that everyone is making him out to be. And I totally believe that he can do the job. He has put a number on Robert Kubica this year, and unfortunately for Kubica, you could say that he's going to be out, you know, after that fairy tale of a season that we thought it might have been, has been an absolute disaster. And, you know, notwithstanding the problems that Williams have had on their car front and team front, it's just not been very good for Kubica. So you would picture Nicholas Latifi to come in. Um, doing quite well in F2 this year. If he comes in as the reigning F2 champion, it would be a um, a pep. It would be a huge boost as well. And you know, you could say Kubica brings funding to the team as well to Williams, but Latifi can bring equally as amount, equally as much funding as well. So, yeah, you could see those two definitely the two youngsters. Um, doing a good job together at Williams if they're back on the rise. So for me, Williams next year, Russell and Latifi are the likely um, lineup. So going back through what the lineups are going to be looking like for next year, it was never really thought that the silly season this year for next year would have much um, would have much. Uh, depth to it because all those big names are locked into the end of 2021 but there's you know the Mercedes seat in play which is pretty much a big seat you know we wouldn't have thought that Bottas would be under pressure as much as he is you know we wouldn't have contemplated Sebastian Vettel potentially looking at retiring as well uh Red Bull with its uh, Gasly switch around as well and if they could potentially get an external candidate in 
and you know filtering down Renault basically they again could be a um, whatever happens at Renault could be a byproduct of what happens at Red Bull and Mercedes so there's quite a bit to you know there's quite a bit in play which um, could make for a good silly season and we could have a bit of a shake up of the grid for next year but at the same time you know all those big names are going to stay put you know your their Leclerc's your Hamilton's your Verstappen's Vettel likely as well so as far as championship contenders go they're probably all going to they're going to be in the same um they're going to be in the same place it's about all those minor seats now that it really depends on what's going to happen so some final thoughts uh looking elsewhere as well you look at Alonso it's not likely he's going to come back to F1 he's going to do Dakar next year and that's it Indy 500 if he can sort out a seat with one of the big teams you know Andretti obviously probably not because of the the, um, reputation with Alonso and Honda you think that potentially you know Penske that's another um, big name that runs the Chevy power units or um, Chevy (laughs) engines or whatever there'll be power units in a couple of years time when they switch over to hybrid which is good to hear as well so yeah, that you'd picture Alonso teaming up with one of those guys to do the Indy 500 next year to try and complete his Triple Crown. But quickly on McLaren and their IndyCar project for next year. So James Hinchcliffe is looking likely to stay put and he's sort of alluded that he's going to miss his partnership with Honda because being a Honda Canada ambassador and everything as well and he's going to be rekindling his partnership with Chevrolet that he had in the past. You'd picture Hinchcliffe to stay, but who else would take that second seat next to him you know Marcus Ericsson is obviously the incumbent driver for Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport alongside Hinchcliffe but will he stay perhaps not it would be good for him if he could but what I've been thinking about is whether the IndyCar team for McLaren might be an avenue to F1 for IndyCar drivers you know a lot has been talked about it was previously talked about Alexander Rossi but he's been retained by Andretti Autosport for next year, which is good. Um, But this is where I'm getting excited, is because of this whole partnership between Walkinshaw in Australia, Andretti, and then United Autosport, which Zach Brown owns, we're seeing that come together at the Bathurst 1000 this year with a wild card for the Walkinshaw Andretti United team, and Alexander Rossi and James Hinchcliffe are going to be driving that car. So... You know, Alexander Rossi is your Andretti Autosport driver. James Hinchcliffe is, you know, even is pretty much your McLaren United Autosports representative because he's staying with the McLaren SPM team in IndyCar. And Zach Brown obviously owns both both of those. And then it's going to be a Walkinshaw run Holden Commodore. So these little opportunities popping up all over the world. Um, for drivers who are with these affiliated teams and everything so that's going to be so exciting like I could even uh, I'm not going to but it could almost warrant going to the 1000 this year um, just to see those guys tackle the mountain I'm not expecting huge things from him obviously but you know just to see two big drivers you know Alexander Rossi he could potentially have an IndyCar championship under his belt by the time he gets to the mountain in October and James Hinchcliffe who has driven a V8 supercar in the past it was at the Gold Coast race in 2012 I think for Gary Rogers Motorsports so 
you know, two big-name drivers coming in and this partnership between Walkinshaw and Dreddy and United Autosports actually paying dividends. And a shame, really, because we would have thought that Team Penske with DJR would be the first ones to pull off something like this, but obviously not. It's um, those guys. So, you know, you could see... The same thing happening with F1 as well. You could probably see some test opportunities for the IndyCar drivers that represent McLaren, SPM, and, you know, Andretti and all that as well. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. And then just quickly on the F2 talents that we've got this year. So Latifi looks like the one who will most likely um, graduate into F1 next year. If not, he could be someone who ends up going over to... IndyCar in the McLaren team because Latifi Sr. is a major investor in McLaren at the moment, um, the McLaren organisation, so potentially we could see Latifi go off to to there, so that'll be something, but Nick DeVries, Jack Aitken, those guys look like they're on the cusp of F1, but there's not really a lot of seats out there, maybe Formula E futures for those guys, who knows? And then for the future, Mick Schumacher already, I've all along said that 2021 may be the year that we see Mick Schumacher in F1, just depending on his performances in F2, whether they warrant him moving up to F1 this soon. Um, and Antoine Huber, who's been really solid this year as well in, um, in Formula 2. He could totally be um, a driver that you see step up, maybe for Racing Point, if um, Perez decides to move on. And then, you know, a lot of other midfield teams will have vacancies available. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with all that. <laughs> I'm at with that with all that <laughs> at the moment. But, yeah, I'm really just looking forward to the rest of... You know, I've not written off 2019 as being, you know... I've not written off 2019 for more exciting races and all that. There's plenty yet to play out. I'm not got I've not got both eyes on 2020 just yet. We don't need to, but the driver market and everything once things start moving, we'll get a better idea of what to expect for next year. But otherwise, we have still got nine great races to go in for in the F1 season this year. Not to mention all the other motorsport that I like to ramble on about as well. So yeah, I think that's that's about it. That sort of sums up this entire mid-season break. Even though. I took one week off from doing the podcast and now I've given you guys two podcasts to listen to while um, we wait for F1 to roll back around. So probably gonna this one will probably be up on the weekend, so you'll most likely hear this one on the weekend and then Thursday as normal leading into the Belgian Grand Prix I'll have the Belgian Grand Prix preview from the road. I'll be on the road as well, so um We'll be watching the Grand Prix on the road as well. So, yeah, um, expect business as usual uh, from next week. And we've got nine exciting races to go um, until the 1st of December. Yeah, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix is goes into December this year. So we'll be racing right until the end of the year. How exciting. All right. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Make sure you look us up on all our social platforms, Twitter, Facebook. The links are in the description. Listen to the podcast, of course, on Transistor, iTunes, and Spotify. So thank you for tuning in, and I will be back for you guys next week.